Good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to today's episode of Musings with Jesus. My name is Shola. I'm your host. Thank you for joining me. I hope you're well. I hope all is good with you in your world. I hope everything is, you know, just going well. Um, hmm, where do I start from? So, I, I mean, I say this all the time. I'm, I'm in Bible school. I'm going through a seminary program, so I get to and I get to, you know, read, I have to read <laughs> the Bible material. I have to read the Bible and read up books and, you know, generally just talk about God and study, you know, about him every week. And I really like it, even though it's quite challenging. The workload is is a lot to get through sometimes with, you know, particularly when I have a very busy week. But I like it because it forces me to to do the things that I should. You know what I mean? You know, and I found out that I'm someone I work very well with structure. You know, if if you don't give me, if I don't have a timetable that I have to follow, I may not follow it. And you know, it, it's um, sometimes I can I can make a program for my as in I have to make it. So it's either some it's either I sign up for a structure or I make that structure myself. But I'm not the kind of person who does very well with, I just go with the flow, no. I'm very much a structure person. So it's very difficult for me to do things. So if I don't build a structure around something, I'm not likely to do it. Um, you know, which is, um, and I don't know if, I think some people are, I don't think everybody is like that, but I think it's a, it's an advantage, but it's also a problem. So there's some things that, <sighs> For instance, weight loss program. <laughs> I know that's something I need to really deal with, but man, I don't want to sign up for anything because you don't just know whether that environment is where you want to be and that's really what you want to do. And building the structure for myself has just been a little bit challenging. You know, where do I start from? What do I do? You know, trying to use my knowledge of myself over the years to 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 build something, you know, that will work for me. And being in the right mental space, I think that's the most important thing to even get it done. Anyway, work is still work in progress. I'm, I'm not, I, I haven't been successful because I think I haven't built a structure around it. And um, maybe this is me talking to myself about this. And I keep talking to God about it. I'm like, God, please help me with this. Help me. You know, I, need, I really need to do something about this. But um, I have been unable to because I know, and I've been here before, so I, I have been on a program before in the past when you know I, I and that's the thing I signed up to something then and there was a bit of structure I was going to see somebody in and I lo- you know I had a, 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 a an agent or a counselor you know and, and I lost about 22 kg which was really phenomenal for me then I mean even now it would be phenomenal but then it really was and it came just in time before you know after that I got a job and was I had to move outside of the country and lived there for years and you know living outside of the country you know in in Europe you walk around a lot, you know, you do a lot of things. So it, life was easier for me because I had lost that amount of weight and, weight and God knew before I made that change. And um, because really you don't want to be overweight when you're in Europe as, as I'm really, you just don't, that's not where you want to be. So it helped me for those three years. So I lived a different kind of life just because I was able to, there were things I was able to do, you know. Um, you know, I, I mean, then I was even, I used to walk to the office and back 20 minutes, walk both ways 40 minutes, you know. And that was like a daily thing. And there was no day I was too tired to walk home, you know. just That just never happened, uh, you know. 
looking back now i'm like wow anyways so i the fact that i'm on a bible program now that, that has just digressed me off I, I was on a bible i'm on a bible program has really helped me a lot and i've decided from my i've realized that like i said i work well with structure and um so I'm, even when i finally graduate of this program next year i will have to find something else that i'm going to be doing to make sure that somehow i still stay on the path i think that's just going to be my own commitment to myself and um yeah that's what i'm just gonna do because uh, i don't know how i'm gonna do that because you know Otherwise, I I will not. Uh, maybe I should just do a PhD for the for the sake of it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I, that that would probably keep me. Yeah, because I, I probably would just do the PhD forever. Never even bother to graduate. You know. So, anyways, um, and why I'm saying this is because I I'm I'm finding out so much about God and about His Word, and about Jesus. And I would really counsel everybody develop your relationship with the word if you know that you are someone like me that needs structure then join some sort of bible school or bible program or something read up about it. just you know other that but if you're the kind of person that can study by yourself too oh well i'm good then do it i know some people who did all this you know read the bible in a year program they had a schedule and they followed it you know but but this whole you know thing that is happening where i don't know just pick out your bible and read it and um, and I'm someone, I mean, w- when I say this, you know, growing up when I gave my life to Christ many years ago, I was I, I was raised on Kenneth Hagin books. So Kenneth Hagin's books, they are teaching books. And it wasn't just, they were not preaching books. And in fact, I think this is an important distinction. What we have, like if I look at Nigeria today, we have very few Bible teachers. Most of the prominent, in quotes, men of God are not Bible teachers, they are preachers. And what preachers do is preachers can get people saved. They cannot help um, Christians become disciples. It's a very important distinction. I don't know what has happened to the ministry of the teacher, but something has gone on with that in Nigerian space. So for some reason, most of the people that stand on the pulpits, most of the prominent men of God that we know, most of them, and I can actually you know, begin to tick them up, but there's no point, you know, I, I'm not gonna name names, but I'm saying, most of the prominent personalities that we know, they are not teachers. They are not gifted. And you can ask me, how do I know? Because you know, when, when you can see there's a difference between a teacher and a preacher, when you get saved and you are in church for quite a while, and of course, when you also have a bit of a you, gift in you, you know. Um, out of all of them, there is one that I would say is a teacher of the gospel. I mean, that is a teacher that has a clear teaching anointing. There, there, there are a few of them, but most of them are preachers. The preachers are, how you would know the preachers is this. They, they, they are the ones that tell, they turn the Bible into a story. And they are telling you, most of the time they are, they are telling you, when you listen to them preach, they are telling you, most of it is, oh, I remember when I did this, I remember this happened one day. They're just telling personal stories, you know. The stories may be inspirational, they may be all that, but it's personal stories. At the end of the day, all it does is, so it motivates whoever is listening at that time to take action. So it's more for unbelievers and they get saved and that's good. But for the person who is already saved, all you will get from that is a feel good for the day. It is not, it may not necessarily, in fact, it will not help you 
to build yourself as a Christian, to develop muscle. But what has then happened in, because people didn't understand this a lot, what has then happened is that because of the feeling that they got and maybe whatever it is that is available in that space, they then keep coming to that space, you know, for that, not realizing that the power is in the word, is in the Bible, and that they don't have to be before that personality or in the place of that personality to get the power of God. I don't know if I'm communicating. I'm trying not to, you know, be offensive or anything. But what I'm saying is that I do not see Christians being actively discipled to become, um, how would I say, strong in the, in the word of God. I don't see that happening. I also don't see Christians on their own developing a very strong um fellowship with the bible with the word of god rather what i see people doing is reading you know joining prayer groups where there's one man of god praying for everybody you're spending so much time there and then you are attending programs and then you know it is clear that people are not reading the bible how do i know because when i talk to people I, you, you you can you can hear it in them they're not they're not you can you can feel it you can just hear it you can see that the 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 familiarity with scripture is just not there and that is where the power is. It's not in somebody else's anointing. Because, first of all, the anointing is not a tap that can be turned on as you will. And even if it was a tap, but which it is not, you cannot tell what it is going to do at any time. And you cannot force it to do what it cannot do. But we treat it as, oh, the anointing is there if I just happen to be there. If you are not, if that's... <laughs> Uh, when the power of God is present to heal, it doesn't heal everybody. You, you understand what I'm saying? It's not everybody that gets healed, even when the power of God is present. So, I'm saying, the gifts, all these things that have the gifts, they are primarily, they are more for people who are not saved. Believers are supposed to, God has already told what believers are supposed to do. We are supposed to lay hands on the sick and recover. We are supposed to bind the devil. We have the authority to overcome the enemy. And we are to stand on that word of God and pray for ourselves. It doesn't mean that, you know, when your faith fails, you cannot ask elders to pray for you. But there's something wrong with Christians going every day to seek miracles. There's a very wrong, that, that problem, that picture is bad. There's, it's off. It is so off. In fact, when we look at the disciples, how was the disciples of Jesus were assisting Jesus to minister? They were not joining the healing line. Of course, they had Jesus uh, access to Jesus one on one, but there is even no record of you know them coming to Jesus and say, "Oh, Jesus, heal me" or whatever. Maybe because they were around him, they were already healed. But they were more. It was more about listening to the teaching, and of course, Jesus was a teacher. Jesus was a teacher. Now, this is the difference. Okay, yes, let me use the Bible to explain the difference between a teacher and a preacher. Um, John the Baptist was a preacher. His only message was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And yes, it, it got a lot of people saved. I mean, it convicted people because it came with power. But that was all. He was preaching. You know when he says, oh, vipers, oh, ye vipers and whatever. Who had, who warned you to flee from the wrath that is to come? That is preaching. You know, they speak very, you know, sometimes prophetically. It's very, there's anointing, there's power, but it is for the unsaved. But Jesus came. He was a preacher because he, he also said, the kingdom of God is upon you. When he started off his ministry in Luke um, for, for he said, um, the spirit of the Lord is upon me 
because he had anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to proclaim the acceptable of the year, year of the Lord and to, to declare the, um, to, to heal the captives and to proclaim the accepted, acceptable year of the Lord. So yes, the spirit of the Lord was upon him to preach and to proclaim. So he also continued in that proclamation that John the Baptist had started. But he went on in his ministry to teach. In fact, that's why we have Sermon on the Mount. He wasn't, he was teaching. Jesus had teachings. And you know, this is the difference between modern day Christians and modern day Muslims. Modern day Muslims are aware that they are teachings of Muhammad. So they are studying his teachings, studying to live by those teachings. In fact, those teachings are considered to be sacrosanct. And then they observe his lifestyle. So when you hear a Muslim say, oh, when Muhammad, this, when this, this happened, this is how he responded. When this, this happened, they study his lifestyle, his habits. They make an example of it. They model their life against it, I mean, um, around it. And then they also study his teachings. His teachings are considered, you know, invaluable. You must, you must do it. Christians, on the other hand, I don't see us studying the teachings of Jesus the same way I see other religions studying the teachings, or rather, let me not say other, because Jesus, um, Christianity is not a religion, it's a faith. In the way I see religions of the world, the major religions of the world, studying the teachings of their, in quotes, masters. I don't see Christians doing that. Christians are doing something else that I don't even understand. The teachings of Jesus is what we're supposed to elevate above any daily devotional. Do you understand? Which is honestly, I, I've never even really liked that daily devotional thing because I just, but I, I've just, I just find it funny that you know I've, I've never liked it because I've always felt that my own personal study was the most important. But I, but I see that a lot of people love it and they'll be like, oh, I read this and that this morning. And I'm like, yes, and I don't want to mention the name of the devotional I read this, you know. And then they feel, oh, well, I read it this morning, and I'm like, you are, you are, you are making yourself. What's the, I mean? I don't get it. Yeah, you know, why are we replacing? trying to replace the Bible. Now, it's a different thing if... I do know that some of these devotional quote scriptures, but to me, one verse... One verse... There's nothing like Bible reading. That's the point. And these things are very subtle. I may be wrong, and God forgive me if I'm wrong, but I think that a lot of these things have helped to make Christians less effective in the world. And of course, look at the results. So I think the results bear it out. If I was saying Christians that were... You know, by and large, the church was very strong in its faith and in the modeling of Christ. And Christians were very much living as Christians. And everybody could see that we were Christ- we are Christians. And people come to us for power on the w- or, or solution on the worst day of their lives. Or even we ourselves are just really... I mean, if we had the testimony of people saying, um, ask her, she's a Christian, she will tell the truth. Or I want to marry a good person, therefore I am going to marry someone that is a Christian. Excuse me. Or... Ah, she's a Christian, therefore I know she's not going to take bribe. Oh, he's a Christian politician, that's why I know he will be, he's going to do the right thing. If that was the testimony people had about us, then I would say, okay, yes, this other approach, this daily devotional, inspirational message, dependency, dependency of anoint, on anointing, and oh, may, um, uh, join prayer meeting online, therefore your miracles will come. I, I would have said, you know, that's the way to go. But it's, it's not. What you have are Christians who they are just chasing shadows, if you ask me. And this forever living products approach to Christianity, I, I don't, you know, I don't just get it. I'm sorry to use that brand name, but 
you know. And the Bible is there. But Christians are joining. And, and you see, the, the thing is that there's an element of almost like, it, there's a part of it that looks like you are devoted by joining these prayer sessions and things like that. But the point is, it's not fellowship you are looking for. It's miracles you are seeking as a Christian. I wish, I just pray that God would just bring about a revival. There was, I think it was much better when, years ago, when, when we first, because then, when, when, when Christianity first began, or I mean, charismatic Christianity got into Nigeria. I don't know how it is in the country that you're living in. I don't know who, I mean, which country you may be from. But it's really, really, what, what I see now is, 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 not, is not the way God wants things to be. Yeah. It's not. And you see, the devil is very subtle. And if you remember, that is how Jesus, that's how the Bible um, introduced the devil in Genesis 3. It says, now the serpent was more subtle, more crafty, more deceptive than any of the other creatures that God had created. That's the thing about evil. It, it, it doesn't present itself that way. And that's the most demonic and evil thing about it. It's so the subtlety and the craftiness of evil is something that is worthy of being studied on its own. So it will just like Eve, we all blame her for eating that apple. But it did she didn't it didn't look, you know, it didn't look evil. It didn't look as evil. I mean, when I look at the consequences of her action that we are feeling up till today, and the what she actually did to get us here. Nobody could have imagined it. And that's how evil is. It's typically what you call a can of worms. That saying, a can of worms, means... Because when you look at a can, you you can, nothing can make you believe a sealed can that when you open it, it's going to have worms in it. Nothing will... I mean, who would... Who would take a open... I mean, get a can, put worms in it, and then seal it back? Who would do that? Why? But that's how evil is. So, I think that anything that distracts us from the word of God and from studying the teachings of Jesus, every Christian, if you do, if you, it's good to read the Old Testament, I mean, I'm a believer of the Old Testament and all that, but, well, definitely important to read the Old Testament. If, there's no, if, if, if you don't read anything, read Genesis, because you, do, you really need to know how it all began. But there are many books in the Old Testament that you may not read. I mean, Numbers, Chronicles, they all they have interesting stories, but yeah. But Genesis, I would always recommend because very fascinating story and it's relevant. It's important context, you know. And then as you move on, you can then decide. But every Christian, read the book of Genesis, then the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You really need to read those Gospels. Then after that, you can start reading what the apostles who lived and ate with Jesus while he was on earth, how they received you know, the, the teachings of Jesus and their teachings based on what they have received and the explanations that they now started giving by the Holy Spirit to explain to people what the significance of the death and the resurrection and the life of Jesus Christ, what it meant. All of that is important. But the starting point has to be the Gospels because that is that has Jesus' teachings. And if you have a red-letter Bible, whether digital or, you know, hard copy, it will bring out, it will highlight the, the, the words and the sayings of Jesus. That is what we're supposed to be living by. Every Christian should be able to quote Jesus' teachings off head. Off, you know, there should be no situation in my life 
when I cannot remember something that Jesus said, because he really did say a lot of things that really there is no, you know, there's always relevance for. And I find myself in those moments every day when, you know, certain things happen and I tell myself, what does it profit a man if you gain the whole world and lose his own So that helps me a lot in my, in fact, that scripture on its own has become my guiding light for, you know, my borderline in terms of what I will not, will or will not do in my professional life, you know, that, that scripture alone. But it's because I know it. And again, that, that brings me to another thing. I don't see a lot of um, Christians or pastors teaching about Christian ethics. So people are just going into spaces where it is all about the enemies, your progression. Meanwhile, your, my life needs fixing. Do you understand? I don't know the difference between good and bad. So, you know, I think it's all just twisted. This is not Christianity. This is not following Christ. You know, when, when Jesus healed, I think was it the man with leprosy or something or one thing, he said to him, go and sin no more. In fact, there was one of them, he said, um, go and sin no more, lest something worse happens to um, comes upon you. Now, we don't know the circumstances of that man and whether it was what he had done in the past that even brought him into that situation. That's not the case for everybody because, of course, we know that some people are even sick, even from the womb. So it's not that every sickness is caused by sin or something. But apparently in this man's case, or maybe Jesus was saying, despite, maybe Jesus was just making a fresh statement. Maybe this shouldn't be taken in the context of relating one to the other. Maybe he was just saying, even though you are healed now and your previous sickness, you didn't have, you know, it wasn't your fault. There was nothing you did that led to it. However, now that you are now saved, to prevent yourself from getting caught up with anything like this anymore or the devil finding an opening in you, follow the path of righteousness. Maybe that's what God was saying. That now that you have given your life to Christ, know that you are going to become a target for the enemy. But the only way, because the enemy will want to invalidate this testimony that you've, got, you've received, but the only way for you to hold on to this testimony is to make sure you continue to walk in the path of righteousness. Because surely, if you fall, if the devil has the opportunity and you fall prey to his devices, he will make sure that he brings upon you an even worse sickness because of the testimony you have received. Maybe, perhaps that's what Jesus meant. But, so that's what I'm saying. So, so all of us Christians that are going about as miracle seekers, after you receive the miracle, how do you hold on to it? Where is the go and see no more? Which teachings are we going to live by? When we don't even know, we're not even taking time out on our own. And that go and see no more that Jesus is saying, is him telling him that, look, don't think that the miracle you have received is, you know, cannot, you know, your circumstances cannot change after this. Don't think so. There are things you must do. You have to now take responsibility for your spiritual life and get the knowledge that you need to begin to do the right things. That is what I'm talking about. That is what this conversation and reflection that the Holy Spirit is bringing us up to about. It's about developing a personal relationship with the Word of God with G and, and familiarizing intimacy with the teachings of Jesus. We are all supposed to be students. I mean, remember the whole Mary and Martha example? One of them, you know, Jesus was teaching. One of them went and was busy doing all the hosting and getting ready for people and all that, which is lovely because people needed to be hosted anyway. The other one sat at the feet of Jesus and she was listening. And when Jesus asked, 
you know, the, the sister who was very busy, you know, and then, you know, the other one was like, oh, Jesus, same, my sister, she's not even helping me. And he was like, don't look, leave her. She has chosen that which is important. And I think that should have been enough for, for the other sister to know that she does leave what she's doing. Because, I mean, that was an opportunity of, like, several lifetimes. She knew that she, this, was, this was a time to sit at the feet of the master. And I think that is it. That, that is it. In fact, this is really a story about, I don't even know which one. I think it was Martha. Who was it that was busy? I think it was Martha that was sitting at the feet. That's it. How many, how many of us Christians are really sitting at the feet of the master? Because that's what it is. That's what all of us need to be. A disciple of Jesus. Disciples are followers. A follower is a student. A follower is an observer. Like if you see those disciples, you see where they are. They go everywhere the person goes. We see that happening a lot now with, um, you know, like those as the assistants that walk around with the, in quotes, men of God that we see. You see how they follow them everywhere. As in literally, they are like shadowing. In fact, as in like they are the personal bodyguards of those, like they follow them everywhere. It's part of a tutelage process. That is the way we're supposed to be following Jesus' journey in the Bible. And then modeling our lives against it. I don't see many people doing that. And I don't see many um, pulpits preaching for people to do that. And I know why they don't. I, well, I have my theories. I suspect it's because if you read and you focus on the life of Jesus, a lot of what you 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 will you will develop your own mind you you know the word of god will itself tell you what is right and what is wrong and perhaps maybe people don't want others to have that spirit of discernment but christianity is a personal thing that's all i'll do i'll just leave it there i mean you know and i think we will all have the choice and the opportunity to live our lives the way that we want and um, for me, like I said, if the results of the current approach that we see around us were even getting, were, were good and were positive, I wouldn't even be saying all this, but all I see is Christians that are undifferentiated. As in, you know, you know how, yeah, that's all I see, really. That's what the world sees. In fact, in my home country, Nigeria now, it's so bad that so you say that you're, I mean, being a Christian is doesn't mean anything. It really doesn't mean anything because we've seen Christians and pastors do everything possible, even you know, even the things that people who are unsaved will not do, based on moral principle. We've seen Christians do it. Not even that they are doing it with a sense of remorse and they are found out, but even defending what should not be defended, dead, the indefensible, and actively doing the things that are completely unconscionable christian ethics completely down the drain as in i don't even know if people even know that there is something called christian ethics but jesus taught a lot about rights and wrong values if our christian values these days people what people call christian values is is marriage and husband and wife that, that that's not christian christian value is what does it pro- it's not about family and man and woman and all that the way they have made it look and traditional they are using it to fit into their own cultural norms i'm not saying that that's not a part of christian values it is but what i mean is that that's a tiny the the that's almost 
Because look at it, Jesus was not married, Paul was not married. So do you understand? And in heaven, there's no marriage. So, but the Christian values are values that are eternal. They're not values for living in this life alone. So things like thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not um, commit adultery, love not the world, do not trust in riches, you cannot serve God and mama. These are Christian values, Christian principles, Christian ethics. Values, principles, ethics. Christianity has all of these three. I don't see much teaching. In fact, the only churches that I think perhaps are still, maybe, and I, I, I don't even know how much that is. I, I, yes, in those days, I think deeper life used to be very strong on Christian ethics and what they considered to be Christian values. But I think a lot of it was also about, um, sorry, I don't want to mention, anyway, I don't want to mention churches, but like, okay, let me say, the more conservative churches, traditionally, they, they, I think they, they, they probably made a lot of efforts in the early days to, to talk a lot about ethics. I think that was there. But I think the values were more about, you know, things like dressing and things like that and looking a certain kind of way. But now, what is more required, as we can see in the world, is values around right or wrong. Don't steal. Don't lie. I mean, you know, don't exploit people. Like now, you know, because things are, the economy is hard and all that. During the, you know, you see people exploiting, exploiting people and they are Christians. And the Christians are the worst. In fact, I see that Muslims have a more clear idea about, you know, the things they should not do. But the Christians, either they don't know or they are pretending as if they don't know. Because they just believe that to just make that money is the most important thing. God has blessed me, I pay tight, and I come to church and I rejoice. It doesn't matter how I get the money. Where in the Bible did you see that? Jesus said, what does it profit you if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? And that what will a man give in exchange for his soul? What does that tell you? The same Jesus said you cannot serve um, 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 mammon. He said it's hard for those, um, um, him and God and mammon. The same Jesus said it is hard for those that trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. The same Jesus said, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. The same Jesus said, do not labor after the meat that perishes. He also says, do not lay up. The same Jesus said, don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust will, corrupt, will corrupt and where thieves can break through and steal. But um, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. The same Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That was what Jesus said we should live by. Jesus said to the disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He didn't say follow me and I will make you um, chasers of miracles, which is what we have become. Jesus said, I will make you someone that will help others jesus said the son of man did not come to be sa- to be to be served but to serve others the christianity the christ that we have received or we are receiving is to empower us to save other people you know where are the christians do you understand how have we become these powerless christians that are all gathered around the in quotes anointing of one man that's, by the way, it's not Jesus. How, how did we get here? I will just leave it here. And I guess this episode is talking more to Nigerian Christians. So apologies if you are not Nigerian. 
and you're listening to this because I think this context is very much um, Nigerian. I, I think that in other parts of the world, in some other parts of the world, I would say, depending on the phase of revival that you are in, because I realize that, I now realize that when a revival has just happened, there's a purity of the practice that, you know, the faith communities that come from that revival have. And if care is not taken to preserve that purity, you eventually break off into other things that is very far from where that revival comes and then God will bring about another revival. That's how it seems to have been happening. That's what has happened in Nigeria. So we are very due for another revival now. We're not yet there. It's not yet come, but I'm praying in my heart that God will bring a revival because clearly where we are now is very far from where we started. Thank God some of us were alive and remember very well how it was when the charismatic revival came to Nigeria. It was not like this. It was about Christ. It was about the word of God. It was about doing the things that were pleasing in God's sight. It was about evangelism, saving souls from hell and transforming lives, really making people better people. It was not about riches. It wasn't about wealth. It wasn't about personal miracles. In fact, Christians, were, we were more concerned about casting out demons from other people and healing the sick than for solving our own problems. We saw ourselves as channels and vessels of the glory of God. And that is the Christian model. That's the model we see in the life of Christ, the disciples. Peter, all the 12 disciples, they had personal issues. Jesus, do you understand? They left it. They left their personal issues and followed Christ. And I'm not, you know, you don't have to like it. I'm like... It, you know, but, and for me, I'm like, I, you know, I don't know. I'm like, this, this is what the Bible says. We can argue on many things, but I think the Bible is clear about who Jesus was and what he stood for. And that's why people start that whole saying that people have about what would Jesus do? You know, it, it, it's that whole thing because Jesus was very different from any other man that had ever walked on the face of the planet. He's the only one that told you to love, told us to love our enemies, to do good to them that hate you, and to pray for them that despitefully use and persecute us, to bless them that curse us. That that is only Jesus, no other person. He was very different. So when you are living the Jesus life, it's it's obvious, and when you are not, too, it's also obvious to anyone who has read the Bible. So I will just leave it at that. And I know this is the Holy Spirit teaching to me. So this is the journey I'm on right now. This is the journey I'm on. I'm studying the life of Jesus because I realized that it is not following the, the life patterns of human beings is not what I signed up for. It's not Christianity and it's something else. It doesn't mean that I'm not reading, you know, what um, I'm reading. Of course, I'm reading Bible commentary. Even the Bible I'm reading, it was people who listened to Jesus and Christ that did that. But the Bible has been proven to be time-tested word of God. And I have proved it in my life as being power, the power of God. It has introduced God to me, made him a part of my life. I have access to the grace and the mercy of God through that process. I have confidence in it. So I have confidence in the Bible. And I have confidence. Thank God I can read and I can understand. And the Bible is really that easy. It's so funny. It's like God's manual for life. Why are we looking for solutions elsewhere? It's because we want shortcuts, we want quick fixes. I think the summary of everything that this this morning musing is is that there are no quick fixes, there are no shortcuts. And like Jesus said to the man that he healed, even if you do get that healing, that quick fix through anointing prayer from some anointed man of God, 
you then have to plan for life after your miracle. Because if you do not have the knowledge of what you should and should not do after receiving that miracle, it is very possible that something, hmm, you know what I'm saying? That warning that Jesus gave. If Jesus warned the people that he, you know, they got saved to, and he, I mean, he healed and said, go and say no more, or go and ensure that you study to know what to do and avoid certain things. That advice is the same for us today. Christians are followers of Christian of, of Christ. We are not chasers of miracles. And by the way, if it is signs and wonders that we are using as the determinant of the presence of the power of God, what do we do when the Antichrist comes? Because the Bible tells us that he's going to come with a lot of signs and wonders. I can already tell that a lot of Christians will follow that Antichrist. Why? Because they would not even... When you are not familiar with the word of God, you, you, you won't know the counterfeit. In fact, I, I read that, I heard that somewhere that when people who work with currency, central bank and all that, the central bank or the banks spend a lot of time showing you, teaching you about the, the original, that they don't bother showing you counterfeits because they know that that will corrupt your thinking. But they teach you how to, they make you so familiar with the original that immediately you see a fake, you can tell. It's the same thing with designer and luxury goods. If you are someone who's always been used to buying a certain quality of um, items or goods, luxury goods or designer brands, you can tell from afar when you see a fake. It is the person who grew up, you know, with knockoff versions that will be confused, will never ever be able to tell. But the person who grew up, you can't fool that kind of person, no matter how good the fake is. So, if we do not build our own internal, our relationship with Christ and the word of God and the teachings of God, it will be very difficult for us to identify the counterfeits when they come. And there are many counterfeits in the world. Jesus warned us about them. False prophets, false brethren, false teachers, false apostles. The only way we can identify them wherever they are. Some of them will have big pulpits, big congregations, large followings. The only way we can identify them is not by the signs and wonders. It is by their, how close they are to the teachings of Christ and how far they are from it. I will just leave it at that because I know that the Holy Spirit will, I mean, this is really God talking to me. So thank you very much for listening. God bless you. Stay elated and have a wonderful day in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.